You're making one right decision today. You're listening to Handcuffs and Sage. Three badass moms bringing you all the true crime and paranormal your heart desires. I'm Red. I'm Timo. I'm Dre. And don't let your kids listen. Seriously, just don't. Hey, it's Handcuffs and Sage! Woo-hoo! This is Red. Hey, this is Timo. And this is Dre. Oh my goodness, what a fun-filled, crazy week this has been. (laughs) I was just telling the ladies, and uh, for everyone listening that has a million sisters like I do, we have a lot of personalities. We have a lot going on, and uh, I was kind of getting into it with my little sister all day today, and I feel like I'm ready to box (laughs) someone. Dun, 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 dun. Do it. Do it. I'm going to ride my bike to her house. Yeah. That's funny. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So how was your week this week? Well, besides fucking melting this past weekend. um, Oh, was it hot? Was it hot this weekend? What are you talking about? What, like, nobody's going to get heat exhaustion. Yeah, it was only like 118. It wasn't that bad. Okay, um, so why are we even bringing this up, Timo? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, know. I don't did think you shoot people? Like, what? tried to bake uh, brownies outside? I saw, I saw a news like, lady trying to bake cookies on, on the hood of their, <laughs> their news van. Yeah. What is going on? I love it. Yeah. Okay, Jay. Let's talk about your week because it's crazy. Yeah. Where do I begin? Wow. Well, I have a well, new puppy, right? That just makes things worse. We'll, <laughs> we'll focus on, we'll focus well, on let's, the oldest one. <laughs> before you get into your crazy week, I want to give a shout out to Dre. She has lost 19 pounds. Oh! oh yes, I have. Mm, like, you can't mm, tell. Mm, Not yet. Yeah, I can't tell. Right here, girl. Mm. Yeah, I have like more chiseled chin. Yes, yeah. Yes. I'm so proud of you. It's That's been, it's easy. been, whoa. So I get, I get into work on, what is it, today? Because Monday we were off, yesterday was Labor Day. And I was like, for sure I gained weight. I don't even want to step on the scale. But I was like, you know what? I just pooped. Let me step on the scale. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, good. Geez. I went to the bathroom. It's fine. This is, this is what we do. Because we, we got to know the real figure, right? So yeah, I always yeah. like. It's a thing that we do at work too. You leave the bathroom and you go straight for the weight, the scale. Nice. I mean, it's a thing. It's a nurse thing. We wouldn't understand. It is. <laughs> so I actually, um, I'm super proud of myself because I, I reached one of my mini goals and 19 pounds is no small feat. So uh-uh. it's been rough. I really Yay. thought it was going to be, yeah. I, I did not think I was, the scale was going to go down. And, and when it did, I was just like, screaming and everybody was like what the fuck's happening <laughs> yes girl that's such a good feeling i love yes, it yes seriously yes i needed that i need that after uh my little scare so my oldest got a little bit of a covid scare and we had to get him tested it was negative but mm-hmm. still he's having symptoms so we'll probably recheck him um still really scary and he's definitely not feeling good i actually messaged his teachers and they're so sweet because they were like Oh, please don't worry about it. He's such a pleasure to have in class. Aww. And I love him. And tell him we miss him. And I was like, that's funny. 
You said, no, 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 my, my son. I was asking about my son. Yeah. I, I used to do that with my daughter all the time when people are like, oh, she's great. So help. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was talking about my kid. Okay. And I'm like, I know we have different last names, but you sure you're talking about my Ricky? <laughs> can you, uh, can you text that again? Okay. All right. If you say so, cool. That's yeah. cool. Okay. Ricky so is so sweet. He's such a good kid. Yeah. Such Dre, we're not going to talk about it, but did you get my one-on-one -on -one text I sent you today about what you are to me now? Don't say no. it. If, don't say it. No, I didn't. A side okay. hoe? Yeah. You um, side hoe? I'll, I'll tell you later. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell oh, you later. Man. You didn't respond to it, so I'm thinking, did she not get it? or Did you did send it not? to the right, the right Dre? I don't know any other. I don't know any other Dre's, but um, she has three the Dre's one, in the her one phone. only. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Um, I didn't. I'm sorry. I didn't respond okay. because I didn't receive it. Resent. So it weird. Me. I sent you like three different things in a row, but that's all right. I'm oh, okay. dying to know. Oh, now no. I want to see, but I'm on my phone, so I can't check it. Did you see that? <laughs> oh, that was your. Woo! No, no, that was me. Yeah, oh my gosh! That's so I'm weird. watching. My son just yep. peekabooed peek in the in the room. Right, which is like my door is in the same position that your door's in. So uh -huh. I, I I thought it was my son for a split second. I'm like, get out of here with no mask on. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> That's yeah. me. Don't get your dang quarantine face out of here. You I just say six feet, six feet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, we should also talk about Timo's hair. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So Timo is mixing it up over here. It's looking good. I like it. Okay, so Not I'm red. besides Dre, I'm the, the I'm the the other brunette in the group. Now mm -hmm. I always have different. I'm always doing something to my hair. So this is the longest that my hair's been just brunette, like boring, like burgundy brown, whatever. So I got it cut on Saturday, and then. Mm. Um, I had Miss Amy come over tonight and she put bleach all over from roots to ends. And the roots came out blonde and the ends came out bright ass red. So this is step I love one. Red. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's cool. This is not, there's going to be a three step process. So this is step one. I'm, yeah. And I'm not telling excited. the girls what I'm doing. So um, yeah. It's a surprise. So it's a surprise. with your guesses as to what color Timo is dyeing her yes. hair. It's definitely a we, color. Yes, it's definitely oh, a color. Oh, the first clue, it's going to be a color. <laughs> and <laughs> I said it's totally, yeah, and I said it's totally inappropriate for my age. But <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I posted a, a little meme on Facebook that said, um, life's too short to have boring hair. So there you go, motherfuckers. That's how it's going to yes. be. Yeah. I would like to put my guess in as green. So write that down. Okay. Red's guess is green. I'm okay. going to go with blue. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now just tell us. She's not going to answer yes or no. No, she's not. No, no. no. Mm -mm. It'll drive her nuts. Yeah. No. Nope. All right. Mm -mm. I'm not spilling the beans. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> all right. So are we ready to do... Part two yes. of the Gainesville Ripper. Yes, I've been and waiting, waiting and yeah. waiting. <laughs> yep, yep. The first time, the first time we're in unison, we didn't even plan it. 
Oh, first time, you guys. We're doing it. We're professional. Yeah. That's right. We are the things. The things. So for my true crime story that I've been covering, there's a part one on the last episode. If you haven't heard part one, go back, listen to it, laugh. <laughs> and then review on <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> and Aww. then come back and listen to part two. So I have been talking about the Gainesville Ripper. And it's just a deep dive that I really enjoy doing. I had heard of this killer, of course. But learning everything that happened, I just find fascinating. Just bonkers. Okay. Mm -hmm. So where we left off wait i need to have some white wine spritzer one second <laughs> hashtag not sponsored okay white wine spritzer what the heck so what i do is i put a little bit of white wine right because i'm on this diet so the only time i booze it is when i'm with my main host and so i put a little bit of white wine with um, mango seltzer oh. soda in it. So Sugar I feel free. like I'm being, mm-hmm, yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. And it's so tasty. I love I mango. You. I yeah. love everything mango. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, white wine's really sugary, so that's good that you're kind of like watering mm -hmm. it. It's just watering a little bit. Yeah. You get a buzz? Mm -hmm. No, but I feel like I'm like having something oh, because you're, my you're day fancy. is so strict. Okay. Thank you. That's what I wanted you to say. I'm still not drinking y'all I quit it but um yay but we have this Bosco. is usually the moment that you hold up mm -hmm. a drink and say I'm not drinking yeah, yeah well no, yeah it's actually <laughs> iced tea whatever but um just side note sorry we, we had Bunko at Red's house last weekend and 80s it was 80s yeah, that was so much fun. everyone then, dressed up it was fantastic one of the girls had like her like solo cup or whatever. And then she had something in it. I'm like, what do you got in there, girl? And she's like, I have a mango white claw with um, a little bit of Michelada mix and some chamoy. And I'm like, Ooh, yeah, uh, girl. Time out. Whoa. Yes. Oh, uh. Yes. So mm -hmm. uh, she's like, but it's better with watermelon white claw. So I was talking to her and she, um, I said, what's that recipe again? So I, I, they only had black cherry white claw when I went grocery shopping today and I don't uh, think that's really tasty. So I ended up getting the white Trulies, which I think is mango, watermelon, lime, and then black mm -hmm. cherry, white claw, whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to try that this weekend. This weekend. Yes. Not, that not does sound really good. Yeah. No, but that mm -hmm. sounds it does. yummy. Mm -hmm. Like refreshing. Mm -hmm. Ooh. You know, they make these that. things. And I, I can't remember what the name of it is, but they're like, I guess they're like dippers or I don't even know oh, yes. right now, but they're like chamoy and tahini and they have flavors infused in them too. And, and like, you basically like put it on the top, on the rim of your, my yeah. mouth is watering the yeah. rim of your beer. You could put it on, on white yes. claws. They make mm. them with like mango, watermelon, mm. like all the flavors. Where yeah. do you get those? Or on the um, outside so, of a straw. Yeah. Yeah. So far I've only seen them like through Instagram, like people. Like what? make them from home. From yeah. Amazon. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, that's I like that. You could just like it's like the chamoy around the edge and just like kind of like let it drip. Mm. Mm -hmm. Wait. 
Oh, I'm so jealous. I want that. <laughs> That's Same. Right. Everything's make fine. It, make it sugar free. I'll my spritzer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking water today. So. Oh, good girl. Good uh -huh. job. Mm, I love it. Okay, so we're talking about Danny rolling. And this guy is the Gainesville Ripper, but really he's a McFuckface. All right, we have another one. Uh -huh. um, this guy is something else. And so where we left off was in August, and he had made his way to Gainesville, Florida, right, to the University of Florida. Mm -hmm. And at this time, uh, all the college students were moving into their dorms. So my daughter just went through this. So when I was reading this story, it really just put me on edge that some creeper could be watching the kids move in and doing all that, right? Mm -hmm. So. He's at the University of Florida. He's watching the college students move in. Um, and he said that while he was watching them, he was like angry. He was filled with rage. And he heard this demonic voice that he calls Gemini. And this voice, Gemini, told him what to do. And he wanted more blood, hmm. which is you know, like tingles up your spine. Yeah. Creepers. Okay. So August 24th, 1990, this motherfucker steals a bike. How rude is that? And he's riding through town. He's all in black and he has a bag with him and it's a kill kit, right? We've heard of kill kits. These are something that serial killers have a lot, like in their car, right? Ready to go. Um, duct tape, rope, yeah. right, knife, mm -hmm. things like this. So he has a kill kit with him. So he's riding through town. He's all in black. He's got his kill kit. And he notices the Williamsburg apartment building. He puts on his gloves. He puts his mask on. And he goes to apartment 113. He takes a screwdriver and he puts it in the door and then uses the knife to, to get the door open. So this is just terrifying, right? He gets into apartment 113 and the room is dark. 17-year-old Christina Powell is asleep on the couch. This makes my skin crawl that this sweet girl is just asleep in her apartment in the dark and this creepalicious motherfucker just walks in okay it's terrifying to me mm. so danny actually moves past her and goes up the staircase where he finds sonia larson sleeping in her bed Gemini told him to rape her. Not his decision. It was Gemini's decision, right? So he ties her up with duct tape. He stabs Sonia. He watches her die. And then Whoa. he goes downstairs. Oh, my God. So sweet girl Christina is still asleep on the couch. She has no idea what just happened upstairs. Mm. 
Danny wakes her up. Um, he tells her he's not going to hurt her if she does what he wants. Okay. He rapes her and then he stabs her to death, mm. which is just awful. So he takes everything. He disposes of any evidence. Um, it takes about two days of the parents not able to reach their kids that, you know, had just moved in and they, they called the police to go check on their, their kids. So it's really frightening. So doing this story, having my daughter just go to college for the first time, I'm like, if she doesn't text me right away, I like freak the fuck out. <laughs> I lose my mm -hmm. shit. Mm -hmm. So cause your mind goes to these dark places, right? Mm-hmm. So Krista Hoyt was never late for work. She worked at the sheriff's office. On August 27th, 1990, the authorities were alerted because she didn't show up for work. They went to her apartment. Nobody came to the door. They forced themselves in. They noticed that the back door had been pried open. They found Krista Hoyt on the edge of her bed. Her body was slumped over. Her back had been stabbed multiple times. Her stomach cut open. Her breasts were cut up. <gasps> That's vicious. Her, Oof. Her head was removed <gasps> and put wow. on a bookshelf to look at her body. Oh, wow. Oh my God. So we're all just going to take a moment. Wow. On August 26th, the day before, the police found the bodies of the two girls, Christina and Sonia, in their apartment, posed, and Christina's nipples had been cut off. So it was about nine hours after the police finding the girls' bodies in their apartment that they found Krista Hoyt's body. Rod Smith was the state attorney and he talks about this case and he said that everything that was done was like Danny was making a production out of it. He wanted people mm -hmm. to see what he was doing. He wanted to be in control of these girls. He wanted to pose their bodies and humiliate them. He's a total piece mm -hmm. of shit. So we have three murders in just days of each other. So when you see this, right, there's less time between murders. It's like a spree right he's he's like going on a mm -hmm. killing spree which is terrifying mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so they're saying we think these are connected this person is posing and making this a production we have a problem here right we yeah. need to mm -hmm. handle this this is not good so rumors are swirling around on campus that there's a serial killer right people are talking Right. While this is happening, Danny goes and robs a bank the same day that Krista's body is found. So they're saying at this time with Danny robbing banks, you know, killing these people, it's called a homicidal crime spree. So that's what he's doing. 
So the day after Crystal Hoyt's body is found, two more bodies are found. Two more fucking bodies are found. Damn. 23-year-old Tracy Paulus and Manuel or Manny Tafawada. They were both students and they were friends. They were both stabbed to death. Tracy's wow. body was posed in the middle of the hallway. Um, Manny was killed in his bed and he was not posed. So they can see that nobody is safe, right? He's willing to kill men too, right? Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. he's interested in the women posing them, right? And doing whatever he wants with them, right? So now we have five murders in three days. This is, wow. this is crazy. So over 700 students from the university go home because oh. this is happening. Wow. Mm -hmm. They did not return. They didn't come back. No. 700. Yeah, I'd be right there with them. No way. That's scary. Uh, yeah. Peace out. Mm -hmm. Okay. So all of a sudden we've got media coming in. This is national news. People are talking about the Gainesville Ripper. There's a lot of rumors going around. People are saying it was a cop. It was a doctor. It was a pizza delivery man, right? People are losing their shit. They don't know who, who's doing this. And they start buying guns aplenty. Everyone's buying a freaking gun. Everyone is scared. And they mm -hmm. should be, right? He just does whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. So they're finding patterns here with him. So they know that the victims are being attacked with the same knife, the K-bar hunting knife. Um, it's, you know, seven inches long. And they're also finding a connection in that an adhesive residue, right, is found on the bodies because he's, he's using duct tape to, to tie them up or, or bind them, I should say. But then he removes the duct tape. So mm -hmm. it leaves that adhesive, that stickiness, right? Yeah. So this tells them that maybe he has some familiarity with law enforcement because he's mm -hmm. taking the time to clean up, right? To mm -hmm. cover his tracks, get rid of evidence. That's a really cute bow in your hair, Tina. <laughs> oh my God. I know. I'm like talking about gruesome murders and she's like, and now I have a bow in my hair. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta put my hair back because my ceiling fan is blowing my little wispies all over my face. So yeah. That's okay. That's nice. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. So back to Rod Smith. He's the state attorney. He talks about Krista's body and how it was set to just terrify, you know, anyone who found the body and then saw the body. Right. So Danny had moved a bookcase, took a bookcase and moved it across the room just to put her head on it to look at her body. It was totally staged right? How terrifying that must have been for them to, to see. So there was a theory, Rod had a theory that the Ripper was doing all of this because he wanted to be famous. He wanted people to know who he was. Um, a year earlier, um, Ted Bundy had been executed, right? And I don't know if you guys have, you know, looked into Ted Bundy, of course I have. Um, <laughs> but when Ted Bundy was executed, a shit ton of people came out oh, and yeah. had signs, right? And it was all over the news. People were buying t-shirts, right? It was like a whole <laughs> right. thing. 
Yeah, so he had like a whole fan club. It uh-huh. was crazy. So they're thinking that the Ripper wants to be famous like Ted Bundy after mm-hmm. everything that happened with T- Ted Bundy. Um, also, there were some sim- similarities with T- Ted Bundy, right? Ted Bundy also attacked and killed college students. He beat them, sexually assaulted them, and then stabbed his victims. So there's, there's similarities there, okay? So the police are obviously concerned about more victims at this point. So the police task force is put together. They're working all the scenes. They had 18,000 pieces of evidence. Damn. 18 freaking thousand. Think of how many plastic bags that they had to use to put each <laughs> Right? Crazy. So that's a lot of bags. 000, that's a lot of work. You know how much mm-hmm. work they, they put into their job. So it's very clear to them that the same man is responsible for everything and they did find DNA. Okay. Mm. But their suspect list was long as freaking hell. And they had to interview each and every suspect. So this was very time consuming. So they had a suspect. He was 18 years old. His name was Edward Humphrey and he was actually a student at the university and he lived in the same apartment complex as Tracy and Manny, the two friends. Uh, He had a reputation for odd, violent behavior. He wore combat clothes. He had a knife on him a lot. He had been arrested on unrelated assault charges um, at the same time they were looking at him as a suspect and his bail uh, was set at $1 million. So they were thinking that this was looking like their guy. But, um, you know, I have odd behavior and I wear combat clothes. And nobody, I'm just kidding. I don't. <laughs> All right. So they're looking at Edward Humphrey for this. So they searched the apartment to like tie all this links together. DNA was not a match to Edward Humphrey's. So, okay, now they know it's not not this guy, Edward, but they actually decide to keep that a secret. They don't want people to know, like, we Mm -hmm. don't, just kidding, we don't have him, right? They Mm -hmm. want Mm -hmm. people to think they got the guy. Okay, so McFuckface Danny is camped out in the woods. This piece of shit is just having the time of his motherfucking life. He's in the woods, he's playing guitar, He's singing church songs, you know, to be close to God, of course. Oh, my gosh. And this narcissist has a handheld tape recorder, you know, to put his thoughts on tape. Because everyone's going to want to listen to that shit at some point, I'm sure. Mm. So he's just all about Danny in the woods. I bet he did s'mores. I I have a feeling he did s'mores all by himself, which is so rude. And he sang Mm -hmm. Kumbaya, too. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah it was it was a party in the woods room for Danny so a week later Danny's approached by police because he was talking to another drifter from that town and Danny runs like hell into the woods away from the cops he's like peace <laughs> and starts running <laughs> he got away but he was such a dumbass and ran right through where he had been camping Mm. in the woods. So the police found all of his belongings. Oh, come on now. 
Okay. <laughs> and his DNA. He, they just found it all, Dre. They yeah. found it all. <laughs> they found a bag of money with pink dye on it because we know Danny loves to rob motherfucking uh -huh. things. Yeah. And so a bag of money with pink dye, which I kind of love. I always thought dye was blue. But I guess they do pink too, and that's fun. <laughs> so they found that. <laughs> uh, but they, this just hurts my heart. They just thought he was the robber that had been robbing banks. They didn't know he was the ripper. Uh, uh, it's okay. I know. It's all right. Mm. It's all right. Slipping through the cracks. That's right. All right. Buckle up, bitches. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. So Danny breaks into a house. He steals whatever he can, you know, real quick. He steals the car and he goes to Tampa. Um, he stops on it, uh, you know, a few times, of course, he needs to rob some places, he needs money. So that's what he's doing on the way to Tampa. Um, but even though he's robbing places, he's not getting a lot of money from it. So he has to then hold up a convenience store. After he holds up convenience store, he then sees that, oh, I think that's a cop car, and he runs into the woods. Okay, so now he doesn't have a car. So September 8th, 1990, he holds up a Winn-Dixie in Alcala. I love to say Winn-Dixie. Mm -hmm. Isn't that fun? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so fun. So after he robs this Winn-Dixie in Alcala, the store is just crazy packed at the moment that he decides to hold it up. And because the store is packed and it's a little hectic at, at the time he's holding it up, an employee calls the police. All right, good job employee, you did it. Mm -hmm. So the police were able to catch up with Danny, okay? He tries to take a car, he tries to get away in a stolen car, it ends up being a high-speed chase. The police are after him. It's this crazy thing. He jumps out of the car <laughs> from this high-speed <laughs> chase and tries to book it, okay? He tries to run. He doesn't get away. Woo! And he is arrested, but he is charged with burglaries and robberies. Okay? Oh, they are not okay. Okay. looking at him for those murders. Hold on to your butts. One year later, he Yikes. is convicted for the robberies, and he's sentenced to multiple life terms. Again, no idea he's a ripper. Okay. Damn. So, mm -hmm. so investigators find out about the murders back in Grissom, the, the Grissom family. Remember, we talked about the Grissom family murders. Investigators found out about that family, and decided they were very similar to each other. There was things that looked like maybe the same person had done it. So mm -hmm. the Freeport police told the, the investigators in Florida that they had suspected Danny of doing the family murder. Um, you know, he was also very fond of robberies. He had been traced to locations. Uh, where Danny had been. So they're, they're really trying 
starting to like really piece okay he robbed here but then he was here and then this murder happened the same time he was in this location that so they really start piecing that together and then manny's blood is found on the pants that danny had in his campsite Oh shit! Ooh, hoo, hoo. Mm -hmm. I love that DNA. Mm -mm -mm. Mm -hmm. So then, evidence was linked to Krista Hoyt um, inside of Danny's sleeping bag. Okay, so then they find a screwdriver with his things in this campsite that matched the markings on the door of the apartment. So they are really doing their due diligence and putting all the evidence together. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So they wanted a DNA sample, of course, from Danny. So the police go in to the prison. They're like, hey, Danny, what's up, bro? Give me your DNA. Okay. <laughs> this piece <laughs> of shit, he's so gross. They said he bent down and he ripped out two handfuls of his own pubic hair and said, here you go. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. So two gross. handfuls. One's not enough. You know what? Gross. If you got two handfuls, take care of yourself. Please. Okay? I know you're in prison, but take a moment. Okay? You bushy-ass <laughs> motherfucker. So, um, <laughs> of course, Thank God the DNA matches. Woo! All right. <laughs> yeah, DNA. Yeah. So Danny confesses, but he blames the demon Gemini mm. for telling him to do all that shit, right? <laughs> he didn't want to do it. Gemini told him to do it. But here we go. Fun fact, y'all. And Timo probably knows this, but I'm going to lay it on everybody right now. In Exorcist 3... The killer went by the name Gemini. Oh, you know oh. No. I don't I don't remember that. Yes, yes. So then Danny wrote out a confession and gave it to an inmate, which I don't know why he would do that. And in this confession, it said he decided to be a killer the first time he was in prison. So a long time ago, he had made that decision to kill people. Mm. They said he had borderline personality disorder. Um, and then, you know, before the trial, they were just talking about how crazy and out of his mind he was, that he was impulsive, and he had intense, inappropriate anger. So this is probably true, right? He probably has all these things. You're guilty still. You still made the choices. You still did it. Mm -hmm. He was... Sentenced to be executed. Holla! Woo! Woo! And he was put on death row. Um, wrote a book uh, with Sandra London, The Making of a Serial Killer. So they worked together to write this book. So y'all can check it out from, from Danny, I guess. I hope no money goes to Danny. Like to this. Right? I don't, I, oh, yeah. That, now that bothers me. Oh, shit. Anyway, so <laughs> Danny and Sandra London, who actually is like a true crime writer, they wrote this book together, The Making of a Serial Killer. 
he confessed then to raping Janet. So nobody ever figured that out. He later confessed mm -hmm. to raping Janet. Um, Janet, my of course, our true crime badass who told Danny it was time to go, right? right, right, right. Remember, uh -huh. she was in control. I love Janet. I want to have yeah. a shirt with <laughs> Janet's mm -hmm. quote on it, right? He yeah. thought he was in control, but I was in control. Ooh, gives me goosebumps. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Janet said she actually read the book and suspected it was Danny that had raped her. And so they ended up doing DNA and it was a match. So he was the Ooh. one. So she suspected it, and she was right. Janet, you badass. Right? I love Janet. Wow. <laughs> she is a badass. She, she really is. She really mm -hmm. is. So then hours before the execution, he confesses to uh, Julie and her family's murders. Um, he sent a note to a minister just to, like, let him know, hey, by the way, I also killed these other peeps. Let everyone know. So that's what he did. So he was killed October 2006. Woo! Wow. wow. Thank goodness. So, Sometimes it works. What was yeah, it? Yeah. Like, the gas chamber or what? Because uh, he was in Florida, right? No, it doesn't say how they killed him, but mm. he did. Okay, cool. He did. <laughs> okay. All so right. in 1994, Kevin Williams was a screenwriter. Okay. And he watched a show on TV about Danny. And he just thought it was fucking fancy, you know, fascinated, right? He just thought this story was wackadoodle, as Timo would say. Mm -hmm. And so then he writes a movie. And in 1996, the movie Scream comes out. No. Really? For mm -hmm. real? Yep. Yep. That's crazy. It is. So Scream is based on Danny Rowling, the Gainesville Ripper. And look at how diligent I am, Timo. I did write it down. This McFuck face died by lethal injection. Oh, I was uh, <laughs> Oh. All right. So my friends, I know that was deep and dark, but that is the story of the Gainesville Ripper. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of confused about the whole Scream movie thing. The Scream I mean, it was writer, like, loosely based on the story, right? Oh, yeah, very loosely. Yeah, it was right, like and he comedy. got a lot of the ideas. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back one. and watch that movie again because, hmm, okay. So the idea that Kevin got, the screenwriter got, was to go into people's houses, terrify college student age kids, fuck mm. with their heads, wear okay. the mask, fuck with them, right? So mm -hmm. okay. All he right. made it his own, but he was, you know, I guess inspired by Danny yeah. <laughs> Gainesville. Okay. Really. Yeah. All right. Okay. There it is. There All right. Is. Yay. Yay! Oh, that was awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I slurred um, all the words. I said, I'm a lot. Guess what? I'm still a professional. I'm you still are. Great. You are. Uh, uh, I was just thinking back to the scream thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Timo can't let it go. I know. Isn't that the one with, with Drew Barrymore and she's on the phone? And he's like, he's like, I'll talk to her. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can't. You I know can't what I'm going to do? Uh -huh. You know what I'm going to do, Timo? Uh -huh. I'm going to email 
the screenwriter, Kevin <laughs> Williams. And I'm going to say, uh, Timo said, this doesn't make sense. And you're a filthy liar. So yeah. I'll let, know. I'll let him know how you feel. Maybe I'll do some research on that dude and see if he has like, maybe a little bit of an explanation. I don't know. I think of other scary movies that got, could have been like, you know, part whatever, but all right. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just what he said, so we can't take his word for it. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> the screenwriter said that's what inspired him, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> All right, are you ready? Are you ready for Ooh. some paranormal? Okay. Yeah. It. It's mm -hmm. like almost midnight, so let's, yeah. <gasps> almost. It? No, it's, it's 11.20. I'm just yeah, saying, like. Y'all, I said, oh, my hubby was waiting up for special mommy and daddy time. Oh, okay. oh. Alright. All right. Well, can we uh, turn up the ghost time. shit real fast? Okay. Yeah. God. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna I have needs too. Oh. Oh, okay. God. <laughs> oh god. Okay. <laughs> so I'm gonna take you to the quaint little coastal village on Long Island called mm. Amityville. Ooh, yeah. Woo! Yes. Okay. Yes. I've been Amityville. For this Let's do it. Let's do it. So let's do a little bit of uh, history about Amityville. Uh, it's on the south shore of Long Island. It's just a little quaint, ordinary American town. Um, it was established in 1894. Amityville or Amity is Latin for friend. Um, but oh, unfortunately, I, I, I know it is. Friendville. Not anymore. That's I where know. we should live. With our friends. <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> uh, this town is also linked to murder and a haunting. No. So um, I'm stepping on your toes a little bit, Red. I'm going to kind of talk some little bit of true crime. But um, um, you... that's not okay. I'm going to email screenwriter Kevin Williams <laughs> okay. and tell him what you did. All right. <laughs> <laughs> This true crime story, though, is uh, it, there's a lot of spooky stuff involved with it. So I think it's okay that I kind of like, like took the reins on this one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll yeah. allow it. All right. So uh, the town is um, rich in history. Uh, Will Rogers lived there at one time. Oh, Annie, that's Annie Oakley lived there at one time. Oh, how fun. And then uh, I guess... Uh, George Washington back in the day went on like a little tour of Long Island and he stayed there and he he loved it so he wrote it wrote about it in his journal and mm -hmm. for 30 years the um the Amityville home which is what what the whole story was based on has been the most um widely known landmark than any other landmark in uh United States and of course interesting big spooky looking mansion that mm -hmm. is um on ocean avenue in long island amityville so uh early, okay so i'm gonna take you way back uh uh earliest settlers there they were called the montaukit indians uh they settled on the land there and there's a legend that they believed there was a power spot in that area. So kind of like, like a portal. Yeah. 
Uh And that's uh, where demons were able to come in and out through this portal. Why does it seem so much creepier when Indians are like, no, don't. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, (laughs) be careful. Okay. Yeah. So when they believe that uh, some of their tribes people were possessed by these demons, what they did was, and and their enemies too, uh, they killed them and then they buried them face down in their graves so that they can stare into the blackness for eternity. Oh, God. That gives me the creeps thinking about it. Yeah. Don't bury me face down. Like, (laughs) seriously. I feel like, don't we know somebody that was buried face down? Like, we know someone. (laughs) No, no, not not personally, but like, like, you know, like, I'm yeah. sure, like, one of Timo's stories yeah. had something to do with somebody was buried face down, for yes. sure. There is a story. I can't remember, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't think I did it, but I, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Okay. But I want you to keep that face down in the back of your mind. I don't want to. it's going to come into play <laughs> later on in my okay. story. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. So... Another part of the story, well, so Jay Anson, he's the one that actually wrote the book, The Amityville Horror, and he documented the legend about, uh, it, this basically is the legend that goes all the way back to the Salem witch, trial, witch trials in the early or late, actually late 1600s, and it's a story about John Ketchum. Now, John Ketchum was forced out of Massachusetts for uh practicing witchcraft so when he left massachusetts massachusetts he <laughs> take a uh, shot <laughs> wandered on to the land on or near ocean avenue where the home is built and he continued on with his witchcraft and uh, this was until the day he died and then they say he's actually probably buried on that land so not only uh are the montaukit indians that were possessed by demons might be buried on that land but also john ketchum might be buried Mm -hmm. on that land and there's also a portal a dark hole yes so there's a lot so many layers yeah right so many layers now early deeds suggested that a john ketchum did exist but there's no evidence that states that he was even in Massachusetts, that he was tried for witchcraft, none of that is proof, but that's what the legend is. Okay. So the house on uh, Ocean Avenue, um, it was built in 1924. Uh, it was built for John Mo- Monaghan and his family. Now, the, the weird thing is the house that was built there uh, it is now actually a few blocks away from Ocean Avenue. And the reason why is there was some crazy shit happening and they were like, fuck this. So they picked up the house and they moved it away. And what? Yeah. <laughs> crazy shit was happening. So they moved the crazy house? Yes, they moved the house. Yeah. But the city's claiming that never happened. They're saying that they moved the house because. Um, the Moynihan's wanted a bigger lot to build a bigger house. So that's how Amityville is, is stating it. Now, in the past, there was crazy shit that happened um, in this area. You know, like it's right on like the coast. There's like a little, you know, boating 
area. There were drownings, yet there's no proof of drownings. Uh, and then the big, big, big thing was when the DeFeos moved into the home. Yes. So this was the summer of 1965, and it was sold to the very close-knit Catholic Italian family, the DeFeos. Now, one creepy little thing is there was a sign that was hanging outside the house that said high hopes and that was one of the things that the mom loved because they were like they moved from this little teeny tiny apartment in new york in brooklyn i believe they live now they were like moving into this huge beautiful mansion and Aww. they had high she hopes was so excited i know she she had high hopes. yeah oh that hurts my heart i know i know so the DeFeo family, there's Ronald Sr., Louisa's the mom, and then there were five children, John Matthew, Mark, Allison, Don, and of course, Ronald Jr., who they called Ronnie, or his other nickname was Butch. Butch was something that you could get away in the 60s and 70s, I guess, but I don't know <laughs> you, can, you can get that. I don't think I hear moms calling their kids butch. Like butch, no. Mm -mm, mm -mm, I don't mm -mm. hear that on the playground, no. Mm -hmm. so I'm going to focus mo mostly now on, on Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie had a real, really good relationship with his mom. He was, you know, firstborn son. They had a really good relationship, but he had a really bad relationship with his dad. It was really a love-hate oh. relationship. Yeah. And Ronald Sr. basically showed his affection by, by spoiling the kids and, and buying them things. So he was very oh, materialistic. Awful. Yes. Oh my God. What a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He really thought that, that money would make life better. And sometimes it actually does, but unfortunately, yeah. th this time it didn't. <laughs> sometimes yes, sometimes not this no. time. <laughs> yeah. So from day one, Ronnie always felt like he was not alone when he was in the house, and not meaning when he was there with his family, but he always felt like he there was something close to him, something was watching him. And then yeah. I, I watched, this is a, a documentary that I saw on YouTube, and they kept on going back and forth. Uh, they actually had a 1979 interview with Ronald DeFeo, and um, he's in prison, so we'll eventually get to that point. But this is what he said, quote, unquote, when I first moved in, you know, you start hearing noises, different things at night, someone walking around, pipes banging, once in a while you hear screaming, but no one was screaming. So this is, he's kind of like describing the house and the paranormal stuff that was going on. Terrifying okay. you're screaming. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, you know, yeah. normal stuff. Normal shit when you move into a house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a humongous house, so I can mm -hmm. see how the pipes are banging and, and creaking and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So by 1973, um, the... Um, the violence in the house really started to get crazy between the dad and Ronnie. Aww. And it was this chaos. This family, you know, if you can imagine just like a, like a real strong, dominant Italian family, always fighting each other. Um, him, him and his dad would come to blows. It was just, it was the bananas. So Louisa's down in the basement. She's doing laundry and the kids upstairs are screaming 
Uh, she's downstairs screaming back at them. They're screaming back down. And then Ronald Sr.'s pissed off because he just wants to sit there and eat his dinner in peace. And here comes Louisa up the stairs from the basement holding a big, huge basket full of laundry. Ronald Sr. gets up. As soon as she walks in, he punches her in the face. <gasps> she falls backward down the stairs back into the basement. Ah! Mm. slams the door and says, now I can eat in peace. So this is the kind of life that they lived. This was like normal. Damn. Yeah. So oh, you can see my. what kind of guy the dad was. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm not interested in dating him anytime soon. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Ronnie needed an escape. Ronnie's just like, this is a fucking nightmare. So. Right, right. Uh, it's chaos. Yeah, so he took to the South Shore bar scene. So this is like early 1970s. Um, there was a huge drug culture uh, going on. He, I'm so jealous. I'm so <laughs> jealous of people that got to be in clubs in the 70s and just doing yeah. all the drugs and looking so fly and all yeah. the gear. Ooh, yeah. I, I really and missed out. This is in the 70s, and Ronnie's dad would, like, basically just give him, like, a thousand bucks, like, get out of my fucking face. So yeah. he had yeah. the I'm money. I'm super jealous. Mm -hmm. He had jealous. the money just to spend on the drugs, man. So he was doing heroin, speed, LSD, and they say he started doing drugs at a real, real, real young age. So that was his oh. way to, like, escape from this, like, drama that he was, you know. God. So, so sad. sad. Yeah. So one night, uh, he came home, and Don which is this oldest sister and, and the dad, they were having a really huge, huge fight. And Ronnie was probably high on drugs. He's probably drunk. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to kill this motherfucker. So he goes uh, to get his shotgun. Uh, and yeah, and he, well, it was the dad shotgun, which they had probably laying around the house and he knew it was loaded. So he basically pointed the gun at his dad and he pulled the trigger. And for some bizarre, crazy reason, it did not go off. There was That's a bullet crazy. in the chamber. It was ready oh, to go man. off, and it did, wow. go, it did not go off. So Ronald Sr. then um, was basically like, okay. He kind of oh, calmed down. Yeah, no. he kind of like uh -huh. calmed down. Like, uh -huh. okay. mm -hmm. Now, another weird, freaky thing about the dad, Ronald Sr., is he put mass Virgin Marys and statues of all kinds of things all around the property now they were catholic but like he overdid it like they they were all over the place he and, went next level yeah he wanted right. all the statues all over the house <laughs> and so when you know all this like crazy drama violence was going on they decided to seek counseling from the church so Basically, at this point, they decide to blame it on the devil. Of course, the devil is in the home, and the devil's making him do it, and the devil's, you know, causing all the arguments and all this other stuff. Absolutely has nothing to do with their communication skills at all. <laughs> it's the devil. Nope, 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 nope. But then all this crazy shit started happening in the house, you know, like, you know, they were hearing stuff, and stuff was going on. So, sadly... Six months before the murders, Ronald Sr. went to St. Joseph's Shrine uh, to basically, uh, he wanted an exorcist on his home. So a priest did go back. They, they did do an exorcism. Now, this is not on a person. This was on the actual house. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. 
the table. I didn't know they could do an exorcism on a house. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah. So it, well, I can't do it. <laughs> the tables were shaking, candles fell over, the doors started opening and slamming shut. It was like, you know, crazy bananas. But still to this day, the church claims that this incident did not happen. So whatever. And then <laughs> what <if> church <laughs> people in the neighborhood would be like, hey, Ron, deny, deny. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, hey, Ron, what, what's up with the statues? Like, what, what's going on over there? And he basically would say, I have a devil on my back. So we don't know what he meant. He, we don't know if he actually meant the actual devil or I think he meant he was chasing the dragon. Yeah. He mixed that up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not what he meant. <laughs> or they say he, he might have been referring to, to Ronald Jr. That he uh, was the devil. Okay, makes, okay. That makes sense, too. Yeah. Sure, I guess that makes sense, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, so Ronnie moved out many times. He's like, peace out. I'm fucking out of here. He'd leave. And then... Uh, the dad would go and use all his resources and all his money and whatever and bring him back. And so basically it was like keeping him like prisoner in the house. So, you know, that has to like start stirring up some shit, you know, in Ronnie uh -huh. with that stuff on top. Yes. Of so by November, 1974, uh, the trouble finally reaches the breaking point. Ronnie and his dad got into a bad fight um, it almost basically turned into a, a you know, a, a fist fight. Uh, Ronald Sr. called Junior the devil. And Ronnie said, fuck this. He stormed out and he said, if I don't get out of here, I'm going to kill all of you. Mm. Which is a scary premonition of what actually happened. Right. Mm -hmm. So on November 13th, 1974, while the family slept, 23-year-old Ronnie was sitting in a dark room downstairs watching TV, and he was watching an, arm, an old army movie. It was called Castle Peak. And in the last 15 minutes, it's just like complete war destruction between the Americans and the German troops. And he said while he was watching the movie, he could hear his family whispering and they were conspiracy, consp conspiring to kill him. So while he's watching all this like war and killing and whatever, he's hearing his family like whatever. So he's kind of freaking out. And then is he high? Do we know? If oh he was high? yeah, hundred and ten percent. He's <laughs> right, <laughs> yes. right, right, right. Okay, cool. And then at the end of the movie, he said a person with black hands. Now I don't know what the rest of them look like. Handed him a rifle and told him what he needed to do. So he went upstairs and shot each member of the family uh, while they slept. Oh my gosh. This was a ticking time bomb. Oh, it yeah. was a hot fucking mess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's this almost so like, sad. it's almost like with um, the Gainesville Ripper, like his dad treated him like shit, like yes. his whole life. Mm -hmm. And then he yes. react. and this is almost kind of like the same, the same kind of deal. Like when does it end? Come on, people. Right. Rise right. above your raisin. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
So now they go back to the interview with him and he's like, I shot my father first. Then I crossed over, went to my mom's side, shot her. Mm. And after that, I couldn't even stop. He's like, I wanted to, but it was like something was in my body making me do it. So that's what he was saying. Oh. So think about this, y'all. This this guy is cracked out, killing his family while mm-hmm. there's a sign outside that says mm-hmm. high hopes. Mm-hmm. Oh, he so, was high. We're gonna start getting into like the, the freaky weird shit though. No, okay. So six members of the DeFeo family were wiped out within minutes. Ron, the dad, mm. Luisa, the mom, uh, Don, who was 18. Allison uh. was 13. Uh. Mark was 11. And John oh Matthew was nine. Okay. Oh my Damn. gosh. What the, that's crazy. I know. Now the freaky thing is, is they were all face down in bed when they were found. So they were all sleeping on their stomachs face down all of so them i had no idea yes. it was coming isn't that freaky though with the legend with the indians and yes it gave me the chills yeah oh. is there any chance that he killed them and then turned them over like he was compelled to do that or that's just how they were sleeping they thought so oh. and yeah no they uh. that's how they were killed that's how <sighs> they were i that's... for real got the chills i'm oh gonna throw God. it now <laughs> <laughs> okay so the next evening was when Ronnie reported the murders. What was he doing this whole time? Well, he was cocaine. He went to the bar <laughs> and hung out. Like he, yeah, he was just on drugs and whatever. And what a he, piece of shit. He said he thought it was because of the family's alleged um, connections with the mob. So he thought it was a mob hit. So they took. Ronnie into protective custody, thinking oh, that come on. they were going to come after him. <laughs> but then a few hours later, he confesses to the murders. And He's then, all, just kidding. I yeah. did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> so the news just spreads fast, right? And this whole town and their family and their friends are just totally devastated because they're like, this doesn't uh, happen. A whole family. Yeah, this, this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not one murder. It's six people murdered and their children. You know, it's like, it was just, it became this like you know, circus. Just so thinking about that mom. Yeah. She was so excited about that fucking house. Oh my God. Oh. Yeah. This really makes me really sad. It's really it's sad. It's not just it's the really white wine story. spritzer talking. Really <laughs> and there's so much more also to this story. You know, I'm just kind of like giving you the basics because we're going to go into more about a whole different family. But there's so middle, you know, there's so little ins and outs and all these little things that, so if you want to check it out, check it out because um, I'm just giving you like the, like the. You're glossing main, over yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. okay, so one year later, um, at DeFeo, at Ronald DeFeo's trial, defense attorney William Weber uh, tried to prove that Ronnie was legally insane at the time of the murders, which then would make him not responsible for his actions. But the jury finds him sane and guilty of six counts of second degree murder. And he is now serving six consecutive prison terms of wow. 25 years to life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. 23, mm-hmm. he's 24, goes into the prison and he's there for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Now, there's several mysteries about the murders and I'm going to go through these. Number one, okay. 
how did he kill six people with a shotgun? None of them woke up mm -hmm. and no neighbors heard a thing. Okay. That's the only crazy. thing that they reported hearing was their dog barking. That's it. Nobody heard gunshots. Mm -hmm. And how did he not wake up anybody? Which was, that's right. creepy. That's like, what the fuck, right? So they thought, oh, maybe mm -hmm. he had a silencer. No, because if he had a silencer, then the crime scene would have fragments of the silencer everywhere and there was nothing. So that mm -hmm. was, no. Um, okay. And then they're like, okay, well, maybe he drugged the family. That would make sense, right? They're all passed mm -hmm. out and then he all the autopsies showed that there were no drugs in their system. So no, they were not drugged. So Hans Holzer, now we're going to get to the paranormal. Hans Holzer, Holzer, remember that book that I showed you guys that I bought like at, I bought at this, um, I think I talked about it too. Uh, I bought at that little bookstore that closed down, down in downtown Burbank. And it, mm -hmm, right. I opened it and, and Hans Holzer had actually, signed it to whoever bought it originally and what yeah he, this guy's a parapsychologist he was very well known um there's a, a, yes, yes. There's a mm -hmm. show out now called the holzer files and what they do is they take his tapes of all his investigations and they reopen the investigations i just love this dude so they were interviewing he was still alive they were interviewing him on this documentary and this is what he said when there's a strong psychic field sound will be inhibited we know this from other cases because the electromagnetic field interferes with sound and those sounds aren't heard. So because there was some type of maybe paranormal something going on, that's what stopped the sound from escaping out to from the house and then out to like where the neighbors. So mm -hmm. interesting. Now, one of the other theories is the Monotokic Indians curse was involved. That might have happened. Um, so they're showing, like, they're talking about the deaths, whatever. So at this point, they, they go to the cemetery and they're showing, like, well, first of all, they're showing the funeral, which is absolutely horrible. Six oh caskets. Oh, my God. It's just humongous, uh -huh. right? And then they showed the, the headstone. So it's a Fayo headstone and it's, um, you know, the dad and the mom and all the kids. And then there's like a blank spot. Like he's still part of the family and he's, oh like, shit. No, yeah, there's, a, there's a blank spot mm. there for them. No. To put, yeah. There's a blank spot on the tombstone for oh, him. That makes me so angry. Isn't yeah. that bananas? He doesn't get that. Yeah. 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 Piece of shit, dude. In the summer of 1975, newlyweds George and Kathy Lutz are house shopping on Long Island. So he's a 28-year-old ex-Marine who runs his family surveying company. Kathy has three kids from a previous marriage, Daniel 10 and Christopher 7 and Melissa 5. And they have a really strict budget on their home, okay? But they, they know what they want. They have a list of things that they want. So the realtor basically says, hey, I have, I have, probably I have the house for you guys, okay? Oh, uh, it's real cheap. I don't <laughs> yeah. know why. Yes. Uh -huh. So she it's shows like that them. One, that one that we saw, you guys, did you see that, Timo? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where there was like blood stains on the carpet? Yes, yes. 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 <laughs> 
that's bananas. Go ahead. Yeah. So it's this beautiful Dutch colonial. It overlooks the water. It's on the upscale area of Ocean Avenue. And when they first see it, they're like, they fall over it. It's like, okay, it has this. Check, 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 check. It's everything that they've ever wanted. So after they fall in love with the home, the real estate agent then says, oh, by the way, one year ago, this family was murdered in the house. So they said that they had a little family meeting and they all decided that it's all right. We'll take it. We'll move in. No We have no worries. Yeah, no problem. Whatever. <laughs> Why do you even mention it? It's fine. Yeah. So the price care. was good. <laughs> and they weren't superstitious. So they so they didn't care. And then another thing is Kathy loved the high hope sign outside. Uh, he just fell no. in love with that. <laughs> and she's like, this is a sign of bringing two families together, and this is the uh, like, no, oh whatever. my gosh! Yeah, so it's I'm gonna, yeah, I need I need a high hope sign now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so oh, December. I got you guys a present. I completely forgot. What? <gasps> I forgot that I got you guys a present. I'll bring it over. Tomorrow. Oh, oh, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna freaking love it. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> Okay, so on December 18th, 1975, 13 months after the murders, the Lutzes move in along with their family dog, Harry. Oh, uh, no, not a dog. If something happens yeah. to the dog, I'm going to be so fucking pissed. <laughs> so a friend of George's basically said, hey, you know, you should get the house um, blessed because this murder did happen, You know, whatever. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, George had a really good friend who happened to be a priest, Father Ralph, but he called him Father Ray. So the same day they moved in, Father Ray agreed to come in and bless the home for him. So there was a sewing room, you guys. They had a sewing room. I want a sewing room. So he walks into the sewing room. He's doing his little, you know, the little wand thing that has the the holy water in it. Holy water? He's saying his little thingy. And he said that when he walked into the room, it was freezing, freezing cold. But he's like, yeah, it's the middle of winter, but it was still colder than it should have been. And as he's saying his prayers, he heard coming from behind him a deep, growly voice telling him to get out. Oh, Ah! my God. Did he piss his pants and run out of the house? Well, shit. As he was sitting there contemplating, what the hell did I just hear? He felt something slap his face. Okay. Oh, yeah. no. So he goes downstairs and he basically tells the family, all right, I'm done. Hey, don't spend too much time in that sewing room. And he leaves. By the way. Yes. Don't go in there. And he left. <laughs> That's it? And he, he left. He skipped right back Yes. He left and he skipped by that high hope sign and he said bye. Uh-huh. Later they bitches. Yeah, they didn't find out to many, many, many <laughs> months, years later of what his actual experience was. So basically, yeah, he, he didn't, should he have didn't mentioned it. Yeah. No. Uh-uh. Okay. So from day one, they noticed strange sensations coming from the house. Um, Kathy basically says, 
you know, all houses have sounds that you have to get used to, you know, like how the water sounds through the pipes, how the dishwasher sounds, how the house settles at night. But these sounds were something that you didn't want to get used to. So it's Christmas time. Oh, everyone's happy. La, 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 la. Then after, okay, so this is her quote. She says, after the love of Christmas came down, that's when the sounds were different ones that I didn't want to become familiar with and that changed everything and the warm glow was gone okay Ugh. so they would hear scraping banging the kids started fearing things in the house you know even the little kids were you know freaking out um they they saw something drastically change in each other as well like people like their personalities you were personalities were changing. Um, they couldn't communicate as a family. Um, Kathy described it as a three ring circus. She said every room had something different happening inside, depending on the person that was in the room. So the rooms had different shit going on at the same time, just depending on who was there. Uh -huh. George was attacked by the sensation of being cold all the time. He was like, obsessed with the fireplace in the living room. He was obsessed with uh, enough wood. He would just go out and chop wood all day. Then he'd sit there at the fire and he just couldn't get warm and he was just obsessed and crazy about it. Uh, fights broke out between the kids. Everyone was just fighting. It was just obnoxious, right? And it's almost kind of like how their affairs were. And then strange events started to happen. Um, the temperatures would fluctuate throughout the house. They started to smell the old, um, the, the rotting smell of old perfume. Now, I don't know what that smells like, but I can just imagine it's like, kind of like. Doesn't grandma's. sound sexy. Like no. poopy spray. No you know, way. Like when you, yeah. When you try to spray over poop and then it smells like poop and roses. Like that's probably what this <laughs> smells like. <laughs> it's poop and roses. Yes, poop and roses. <laughs> Black stains showed up on the bathroom fixtures. There was an infestation of flies in the dead of winter in the sewing room. Uh, Crazy. Oh, thank you. And then Kathy went down one day to the basement. You know, that's where the, the laundry was. And she saw this big, huge shelving unit. She wanted to move it. So as she started to move it, she found a hidden room behind the bookshelf. And it was this teeny tiny room. And it was painted entirely red. And, and it smelled horrible. Now, this was Ugh. not on the original plans. They have no idea why or where this, this room came from. And then their dog, Harry, he was a black lab. He was fucking freaked out from that room. He wouldn't oh, go Harry, it. I Harry know, he knew. was just... Harry knew it was naughty. Yeah. And then every <laughs> night at 3.15, George was jerked awake. And that was at... That's that not what I thought you were <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, oh red. Okay. red. Red needs to go out for naughty time. Yes. <laughs> Mommy, daddy, time. Yeah, she's she's counting down the minutes till this evening. Uh huh. Uh, <laughs> I have me. So three fifteen was the time that Ronald Tafeo killed his family. So oh. it's all yeah. And then mm. Kathy started Kathy started having these really crazy nightmares where she was actually seeing the murders happen. And she basically they were so vivid that she basically said she saw the 
two bullets go in and out of Mrs. <gasps> to fail. And Damn. they talked to William Weber. He was the attorney for DeFeo. And he said, yeah, that's exactly how it happened. And that was information that they had not released to the public at all. So, so she, it was like she was in her body right. when she got shot. Mm -hmm. And she described exactly. This is yeah. creepy as shit. Yeah. It really is. It, it, it really mm -hmm. is. It's, yeah. So the kids, so Kathy and the kids started sleeping on their stomachs. Now, nobody slept on their stomachs. Stop until they, it. Yeah, until they Fuck. moved in. That's the only way that they could <laughs> fall asleep. terrible. And it, it was only after they moved into this house. So it's kind of creepy. Again, face down. Mm -mm. And then five-year-old Melissa, they called her Missy. She had uh -huh. a new invisible playmate. And oh, name. I'm sure she did. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to say her, but we don't really know what gender this playmate was, but its name was Jody. And one day, Kathy was in the kitchen. Melissa came down and said, Mommy, do angels talk? Oh. And Kathy's like, yeah, yeah, I think they do. She's like, why, babe? And she's like, well, because I think I have an angel in my room. So, uh... Missy oh, would draw pictures and describe what this angel looked like. And she said it was a pig. And this pig was able to be very big or very small. It was able to be invisible or visible. And she said it would say things. Like she would tell her parents like what it would say at times. And they're like, there's no way in hell this five-year-old could ever come up with that particular thing. So they're like, where is she hearing uh -huh. this? And what the fuck is this pig animal? Whatever. Uh -huh. So one thing that was uh -huh. very disturbing, they're like, uh, very, very disturbing was she said that Jody told her, you're always going to live here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yikes. I got chills just run through my body when you said that. Yeah. This whole thing is like, yeah. you yeah. think I'm going to be able to sleep tonight? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, well, I already was planning happening up all night. So. Shit. Woo, woo. <laughs> it is what it is. Okay, so George and Kathy kind of just dismissed that Jody was just like, you know, an imaginary friend. Precocious, yeah. Yeah. So, but George one night, you know, he was in the boathouse, he was walking up to the house, and he said he looked up at Missy's room and there were eyes looking down at him. So he Jam back. He just ran in the house, ran up the stairs, and there was nothing in there. Missy was asleep. So he was like, what the fuck was that? And then at times, yeah. they would see lights, I mean lights, eyes outside looking in at them. Uh, yeah. Was it Danny Rowling? <laughs> the Gainesville Ripper? Uh -uh. <laughs> and then you guys, they'd wake up in the, in the morning, and they would be hoof. But prints in the snow around their house. Hoof. Why? Why? Yeah, why? Like, well, why? Like, why? Why this animal? You know what I mean? Why? Well, the devil is supposedly half goat. So the bottom oh, half yeah, of the yeah, goat. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. So, yeah. Good times. All right. So the events of the first two weeks in January 1976 convinced them finally that something evil was in the home. They would 
this is the stuff that was going on. Cold spots, rotting smells, the front door slamming, they'd go down, it was locked. So very desperately, George basically said, hey, um, I, I think we need to uh, do something. So the same friend that suggested that they bless the home suggested that they open all the windows and doors in the home. They go from room to room and say the Lord's Prayer. And that's going to that's gonna do it. So they did it. And as they were doing it, they would hear whispers saying, would you stop? Would you stop? Would you stop? Okay. So George basically was like, um, this thing was showing its presence. It didn't like what we did. And now it's going to prove it. So uh, uh-huh. The family wouldn't go to sleep till sunrise. They were basically up all night because they were so scared and so freaked out. And after the <laughs> Lord's too. Prayer thingy failed, um, he decided to go to his friend, Father Ray, who basically what bailed about, on them and said, peace out. What about Sage? Hello? They didn't do Sage, so I don't mm-hmm. know what's up with that. Yeah. Um, so he's like trying to get in, in touch with this Father Ray, right? But every time they tried calling him, like something would happen with the phone. Either they'd hear him answer and then it would be staticky or it would disconnect them and then they couldn't oh. call him back. And then the same thing with Father Ray. Father Ray tried to call them back and the same thing would happen. They could never get in contact with him. Uh-huh. Um, so Father Ray was um, talking to a, a higher up um, priest or whatever and they were sitting in the office and they were talking about what they needed to do to help the Lutz family and this is in the middle of the winter and they heard the steam coming out of um, the radiator and okay. you know to blow out the hot mm-hmm. air and all of a sudden this huge cold breeze just like blew through the office and they're like um, what the fuck was that so the second attempt to bless the home on their own, oh, oh say they, so they tried to do the whole thing again, where they open the windows and they say the Lord's Prayer. Um, but then that led to an evening of horror that they will never forget. So this was actually the last night they would spend in the house. They would still not talk about what happened. They said to even think about it, they, they could not talk about it. So we don't really know exactly what happened that night, but um, they feared for their lives so much that 28 days later from moving in on January 14th, 1976, they abandoned the home and all oh. their, everything that they own. They just get in their car with the dog and the kids and they just drive away. But we don't know what happened? No, they won't talk about it. Now, they need to go to therapy and open up with there's everybody. Stuff, there's stuff okay. in the book. We so, have questions. Yes, <laughs> we have questions. There is stuff in the book. So I think maybe finally they, when that guy, um, Hanson, Anson, when he wrote the book, I think they might have kind of told him a little bit of it. Um, so uh-huh. basically they just gave the house back to the bank. And then they sold all their belongings at an auction. They just didn't want to have oh, anything to do with wow. it. So in 1975, they bought this house for $80,000. Okay. 
They mm -hmm. put 20,000 down. So they had a $60,000 mortgage. They put 4,000 into it. After they sold everything, they walked away with $1,600. So that's basically how bad they just wanted to walk away from it. They just didn't even give a shit. They're like, mm. Peace out. so they moved to California and started yeah. over. Okay. But unfortunately it kind of followed them to California and they still had oh, come on. shit going on. It wasn't as bad as it was there. And eventually it, um, it faded away. Now, one weird thing is they sat down with one of those old tape recorders. Remember the old tape recorders? Uh -huh. And they said it was uh -huh. self-help, but they basically just retold their story from day one for the whole 28 days. And that was transcribed into the book, uh, The Amityville Horror. So that's the actual book. And then basically they said that um, the movie was just all Hollywood magic, but basically... Um, they took their story, they, they sold their story to uh, this guy and he wrote the book. Okay, there's an interview with the Lutzes going on through this documentary as well. And she, uh, Kathy said that when they moved in, they were practicing something called transcendental meditation. Yeah, a transcendental okay. meditation. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So she thinks that that opened up their minds and that this is what happened because basically every family that has moved into this house since has never had any activity happen. So they, mm. she, she thinks, and people question that, like what, what, like all of a sudden this craziness yeah. happens to you and it's not happening. To, uh -huh. So this is her, her explanation for that. She thinks that, that because they were practicing this and it opened their minds mm -hmm. and it um, basically made this mm -hmm. happen. So they, she ends the interview with this, and I just, I, I, I love this, so I'm going to quote her. It says, it took a dream and shattered it. It took innocence and destroyed it, and it was out for life itself. So that's how the, basically, the, the documentary ends. So in 1999, Ronald uh, went to his parole hearing, Ronald Ronnie Butch and Ronnie Butch <laughs> yeah and he claimed that so now he's changing his whole story he's claiming that he was downstairs the whole time and the real killers came in while he was passed out on drugs downstairs oh, and so but his okay his, Ronnie yeah okay yeah his parole was denied okay <laughs> I'm shocked to hear this news Okay, so you guys, there's also a documentary <laughs> that you can see. Um, it was like a TV, made-for-TV kind of interview thing, and someone actually taped it from uh, like a like a cassette, like a VCR. I love it. Ooh, and, yes. and you and I remember watching this, and it's basically now Ronald DeFeo in prison at age 55. He's being interviewed, okay, by a psychiatrist, and he's changed his story a million times. So in this interview, he's claiming that um, Dawn uh, forced him, Dawn, his older sister, wanted to kill the mom and dad because she was pissed off. And she was mm -hmm. the one that forced him to kill them and then he left. And then when he came back, she had killed the kids and then they got into a fight and then he killed her. So it's like this whole, he's, and then he starts saying that there were demons telling him to do this. So it's like, bananas this guy has like a million and one different excuses for mm -hmm. what he did 
there is Bruh. one. Okay, so you know, um, uh, oh, what are their names? Shoot, um, the couple, the parapsychologist couple, um, Lorraine. Yes, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah, this was one of their like mm -hmm. huge investigations, right? They they took a whole crew in. They did this whole investigation, um, and um there's a picture that was taken during this investigation and you can see it if you just put like if you search for amityville ghost boy and mm -hmm. it's a picture of this little boy like peeking around the corner by one of the staircases uh, and it looks just oh like no. the young one yeah it looks just like the young little boy oh it's so crazy you guys so of course the movie became a franchise success. They made part two. They made part three. Mm -hmm. um, then they remade it uh, with Ryan Reynolds. Um, I love that. I love that one. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then there's a whole paranormal aspect with that version as well. There was actually shit that happened during the, um, the shooting of that, the filming of the movie. Wow. Um, yeah, there was some crazy stuff that happened. Um, yeah. So. What was the documentary name that you watched about the Am Amityville horror? Uh, Amityville Murders. And where did you see it? Because I want to watch it. It was on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. It's Yay! like a, it's like it's like a forty-five minute um, documentary. Oh, never mind. It's really... I don't have forty-five minutes. No. I'm just so busy. You have to watch it. It's great. <laughs> it's so great. And then watch the Ronald DeFeo one, you guys. It's bananas. Okay. It's so mm -hmm. bananas. This guy is just whacked mm -hmm. out, and he's like all skinny and frail, and he's like, rah, 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 rah. it's just like it's like, dude, nah. -uh, yeah. Gross. Yeah. Ew. Stop it. Ronnie. Yeah. Okay. I loved. I loved this week. You did such a great job. I, I loved you. it. I had. I had chills like throughout my body several the whole time. different times. <laughs> I'm shook. Okay. Okay. Good. I'm See, uh, I'm so, a change yeah. person. Yeah, I was happy that I was able yeah, to real, uh, do this true crime story and bring it into the two the paranormal side because yeah. It. Okay. Good Yay. job, Timo. Mm -hmm. Woo! Wow. Yay. So professional. It scared the shit out of me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the original right. one has... Um, I'm like seriously going to have nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys seen the original one? Uh, it's Charles Bronson and... Um, ooh. We had it on... Re like recorded on a VCR tape growing up. Yes. Uh, Lois That's Lane, so what's her name? Crazy. The chick that played Lois Lane. Um, oh, oh I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Dude, that movie is the best, you guys. It's so great. Yes, and it's so good. Bronson yeah. turns into a big old wackadoodle, but Ryan Reynolds does a pretty, <laughs> pretty yeah. good job, too. He, they make him look crazy. <sighs> yes. Like his it's eyes really turn good. red and oh, geez. Yeah. Movie so magic, fantastic. you guys. Yeah. Movie magic. Yeah. All right. Now it's story of the week. We were in sync there. It wasn't off at all. I give up. All right. So for my story this week, I want to give a big shout out to our one and only Steph. Thank you for sharing it. Cool. Up, All right. It's, We're related. It's going to make you cry. 
Yeah. Oh no, really? What? What the hell, Steph? Mm. I'm sorry. Uh, it's a good. It's such a good, good one, though, you guys. And all right. all right. On on this gentleman that is from Sydney, Australia. Oh, shout out to, to Reds Australia. My yeah. So um, for now, this guy has lived in this house for 50 years, and it's actually it's it's. It's a heartwarming story, but it is really sad mm. at the beginning. Like you have to okay. see, you have to, you have to look past it. Okay. okay. So oh. this man, Don Ritchie, he's been living in, in, um, this house that overlooks the ocean since 1964. Um, he's been window watching and it's not because he loves the ocean while well, he does, but it's because um this particular spot in sydney overlooks the ocean where people would typically go to jump off the cliff mm-hmm. right oh, oh. he lives across the street oh, no. it's not a fast thing people go and they look like something's gonna happen and so he just calmly walks on over and with his calm voice and sympathetic manner just kind of ask them, like, hey, can I help you in some way? Oh, oh my heart. And oh, a lot of times, um, oh, he's my able God. to save lives. So he has them over for coffee or tea. He um, talks to them. He tells them that mm. if, you know, they just sleep on it, think a little more on it, they may change their mind. There have been times where he actually got into – uh, more of like a physical thing where he had to like physically stop them from oh jumping. My oh my gosh. This man has saved 160 lives. <gasps> wow. I, I, my whole body just chills just down my body. This that's guy. crazy. <laughs> He's that unbelievable. Is, that's a badass. That is a badass. Badass. Oh okay. Don. So I'm oh. looking. Oh, oh my heart. I did the oh. math, right? I know, I know. I love him. He's such a sweet old man. Um, there was actually a survivor that came back to him with a painting of an angel with the rays of the sun and just a simple message that said, an angel who walks amongst us. Aww. And it was for him. He oh saved God. his life and he came back. He said like sev- several people have come back to his home to thank him for changing their mind, you know, wow. in their moment of need. He just walked on over and said, like, how can I help you? You know, mm. like, what a beautiful, beautiful man. So he says, you oh. know, you can't just sit there and watch them. You've got to try and save them. So, oh, oh Don, what a beautiful Don, story. Don, Don, such a mm-hmm. badass. Oh, my God. Yay. Oh. Yay. God, I love Good Don. Good Dre. I love Don. Timo loves Don. Mm-hmm. Dre loves Don. <laughs> you know that's awesome man. that warmed my heart it's awesome that you did that story dre because you know right now what's big out there right now is yeah. that um ronald mm. mcnutt mcdutt i think his name was mm-hmm. that just you know i, I thought McNutt. he was yeah i thought mm-hmm. he was on fa- um on tiktok but he was on facebook, facebook live. live and he yeah, facebook live yeah so horrible mm. yeah yeah, I know. People are in it pain really and they just don't want thing. it in pain. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this makes crazy me sad times, guys. But 
I love that story, Dre, yeah, so much. Thank you. Story. And Yay. thank you, Steph, for suggesting it. Thank you, Steph. So yeah. fantastic. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. All right, y'all. So check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. Oh, <laughs> what else thanks. am I? All the oh, things. <laughs> You guys, please take just a few moments, if you haven't already, and you be a badass this week and help your favorite ladies out and leave us a review on iTunes. We love, love, love getting messages from you um, on all social media. You can email us anytime at handcuffsandsage at gmail.com. And Timo does this website, handcuffsandsagepodcast.com. Good job. Tina. You know, the thing that I was thinking about is we were doing an event or doing something fun like every month when we we first started we the did. website. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah. there's a bunch of fun stuff that you can see that we were doing back, you know, when we first mm -hmm. started. And then COVID came along and we haven't been able to do any of that. I so know. hopefully once this mm -hmm. pandemic is done and it's fucked itself, then we can go ahead there will be more yeah start doing these events again yeah. and and you can you know live vicariously through the girls of handcuffs and sage hey right. timo timo <laughs> have high hopes okay oh geez. yeah <laughs> high hopes oh my god we want, to, <laughs> we want yeah. to say thank you to everybody who reaches out to us and sends us messages and it really just it's so fun and delightful and we enjoy, we enjoy our podcast time and we enjoy hearing from everybody. Can you think of anything Absolutely. else? No. Um, I think right. you got it. No. Yeah. Yay. Okay. Y'all. All right. Go. Okay. Remember we, we do, do what, what we want. want. We do what we want. Oh, Dre. <laughs> <laughs> we're totally in sync. We are perfect. Grace doing that on purpose now so she we can get did. her own. No, free never. No, I seriously didn't. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk about I'm on a delay. I don't know what to tell you. You are on a delay. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh -huh. in our very super special meeting, we'll talk about it, Trey. Okay. You're on performance right. review now. All right. Okay. Oh, jeez. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Handcuffs and Sage is hosted by Red, Timo, and Trey in a shitty guest room in Los Angeles. Theme music is Leave Now by We Are Wasted. Cover art done by Megan Winchester. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Show some love on iTunes. Be a badass and do what you want. Until next time.